When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into another edition of the Wolverine.com postgame show. After a 29-7 win over the Michigan State Spartans, Michigan football brings Paul Bunyan back home. Normally, I would have, not a rehearsed, but something, something to say to open the show. People are hot right now on this. Something happened in the tunnel after the game. There's video that came out, and Hutch, whenever you're ready, you could just pull it up and we'll get right into it. Ryan Van Bergen, we'll get to you soon as well. Um, this there was a fight in the tunnel after and not even a fight. I mean, it's it's a straight up assault. Um, still seeing who was involved in it and what's going on with that. For the people listening in the audio after the game, uh, you'll just have to kind of go check it out for yourself. But yeah, uh, as Michigan, there was a little bit of a post game skirmish on the field. Just the normal stuff. When Michigan State loses, they shove and they just don't go right back to the locker room. Uh, there was a little bit of that, but as again, second game in a row, tunnel stuff, tunnel drama. Uh, it looked like, uh, and, and based based on what we heard from our EJ Holland, uh, it was not. We're, we're learning all of this in real time. So those of you listening after the fact, we'll see what happens. Uh, it is 11:40 p.m. Uh, on the East Coast. This game's been over for almost 45 minutes, and Jim Harbaugh hasn't taken the podium yet. I assume that uh, they're getting all the info they can. Uh, there were like. Uh, 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 there was a group of Michigan State players, so just call it what it is, as uh, the video from Matt Charbonneau's rolling on the YouTube portion, that assaulted a Michigan player. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, there are guys, uh, you know, there's six or seven guys punching a guy while he's on the ground. It looks like it's Jaden McBurrows, a redshirt freshman cornerback who um, didn't play in the game. I, I don't know how he got wrapped up in all that stuff, but uh, obviously temperatures, uh, everyone's still hot. After a game, uh, Ryan, I mean, we'll bring you in here soon in terms of your experience uh, in this game and in this rivalry, but um, not a good look. And, and Jim Harbaugh was outside the Michigan State locker room uh, waiting on uh, – uh, there were some police out there apparently. Again, these are all eyewitness. I'm up in the – oddly enough, uh, in the visiting coaches box where MSU coaches called just a, a dandy of a performance here uh, tonight that we'll talk about here soon enough, but – yeah, I mean, I just want to, like, I don't know what else to say. I mean, there's there's an assault on video. Like, that's what it is. Uh, Ryan, I'll just bring you in now. I mean, initial reaction, I think you just saw it before we hopped on. Like, I know there's been stuff in this rivalry that happens after the whistle. There's been stuff that happened pushing and shoving. I've never seen anything like this. No, it's sad. Uh, you know, and whatever comes of this, I mean, this is now a police investigation. You know, this is not part of football. This is not part of the game. It's not part of the rivalry. Um, you know, this is a dejected team, and you, you can't necessarily dismiss our player from having maybe done something verbally or something to that effect. So, you know, there's always three sides to every story, but the uh, seven guys and the, you know, kind of brutality that you see in this video, it's just – there's no place for it in Michigan, in Michigan State's program, in the Big Ten, in college football. Uh, there needs to be repercussions, and uh, you can blame the tunnel all you want. The tunnel's been there for how many years? This is the 600th game that's yeah. been played at Michigan Stadium, and nothing like this has ever happened before. So um, the fact that it's happened two games in a row doesn't concern me that there's an initial issue with the tunnel, but there is an issue controlling players getting players back to their locker room and there's no place for any of this uh, in the college football game. I don't get it. Did you, when you played, did you guys ever have, I mean, there's always the shouting stuff and the, the double birds and stuff like that, but what visit the visiting sideline is right next to the tunnel. The game was over. Michigan state stayed on the field to push and jaw and, and do some of the things that historically just happened in this rivalry. Um, it's the second week. I never remember this being an issue until I think was it maybe the Ohio State game last year. Penn State, obviously, a couple of weeks ago. Um, just get back to the locker room. 
right? That's, I mean, typically, so to prevent this, to go through the process that I know that is decades old, decade old, but you're typically going to let the visiting team go up and then there's police security, Michigan uh, security personnel, and then the refs, but they separate the groups. Uh, everybody has to go up from one group. They hold uh, the Michigan team from coming up. The refs go up as a buffer in between us. There's usually some other personnel associated with the game, video review guys and all that stuff that go up with the refs. So there's a, uh, there's a buffer as you go up the tunnel. So what I anticipate probably happened is these guys hung around extracurricularly and stayed at the bottom of the tunnel and the refs and the, that buffer group probably got through this group or moved through them over time, or these guys lingered around. And then there was some mixing of guys, you know, in the tunnel. And, um, I would say these guys hung around with bad intentions would be my guess with no actual facts in front of me. So I'm not, uh, I'm not certain that's what happened, but if I had to guess, they got, these guys hung around looking for some trouble. This is what they did. There should be consequences and repercussions for everybody. Your last name's on the back of your shirt. So. Yeah. It sucks to watch because I mean, we'll talk about the game here in a second. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, as we sit here live, uh, 1145 here on Saturday night is about to take the podium. So, like we want to talk and get into the flow of, of of talking about what actually happened in the game, but we are going to get updates live on this. You guys will be the first to know uh, as soon as we know. So um, just his perspective. I saw there was a photo of um, Michigan State's athletic director and Kevin Warren talking in the tunnel to Ann Arbor police. Uh, so maybe we get a statement from the Big Ten tonight. Maybe we – you know, the crazy thing about this is that <laughs> – this was a this was a fairly boring football game. Uh, there wasn't wasn't as much juice for it, just given you know MSU's record and both teams are coming off of a bye. There was rust early on, and you know the, we'll talk about the game stuff. But uh, I want to pull up if I can get it here again. We are doing this live, so those of you hang with us here. Uh, we will take your questions. Feel free if you have a question that you want to get into the chat. Uh, we will get the we will get to those eventually. Uh, if you want to get moved to the front of the line uh, with, you know, a monetary, uh, you know, wetting of the beak, so to speak, use that donate feature below. Uh, I do have a quote here from Mel Tucker after the game who says he doesn't know what happened. He, he said, quote, I know it was a heated game. We are trying to get our guys in the locker room. We will have to try and figure out what happened. I, I mean, I don't know what else there is to really say on it until we have more info. I'm sure. Um Okay, we do have a quote here from Jim Harbaugh, who says, two of our players were assaulted. I saw the one video. It's 10 on one. Pretty bad. I'm going to let our athletic director, Ward Manuel, address it with the authorities. So there is Jim Harbaugh's initial statement on that. Hutch, I'll, I'll see if I can get you a, a tweet on that to throw up uh, here as we as we keep going. But there it is. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be more of it that comes from Harbaugh. But not, not a good scene. Um, Right, I want to talk about the football game because that is the story of the night. Uh, Paul Bunyan is back at Ann Arbor, uh, despite you know two years of it not going the right way, not making enough plays when it mattered most. Um, Michigan was kind of fighting itself in this game. Uh, the Reds, obviously, play calling, I won't say issues, but lack of execution in the red zone. Thank God for Jake Moody. He was, uh, he was I think, 5-5 five five the, on the night. All of those, but one came in the red zone. It's, again, we talked about this, I feel like, on these shows last year. You have to figure out a way to turn those into six to really kind of push this thing forward and get to where you want to be as a team. But other than that, I mean, there were the, you know, MSU's offense is what it is. I mean, when they're able to score points and move the football, it's because Peyton Thorne is chucking the ball down the field to Jaden Reed, who was held in check tonight, and Keon Coleman. And when Michigan State had a pulse in this football game, that's what it was able to do. Uh, adjustments out of the locker room were made as they have been made throughout the season. What did you see from Michigan defensively, I guess, early on in that game and then the adjustments that came coming out of the locker room? Uh, I thought defensively we were committed to making sure that they were not going to be able to run the football. Uh, you know, I think statistically that might be one of the lowest rushing totals we've held Michigan State to in a rivalry game that I know of, I think they ended up with 30, I, my graphics smaller, but 30 something yards, I think on the ground, uh, you know, they're, they were not going to, uh, 
37, thank you, 37 yards on the ground. They were not going to be able to run the football and establish a two-dimensional offense against our Michigan defense. And uh, credit to our guys up front. I mean, we weren't really loading the box up to stop the run. We stopped the run with seven guys that were committed to it and played really well. Uh, you know, Jenkins played like a man possessed today. Uh, he's one of those guys that been waiting to see, like, does he have a place on this starting defense? He's out there. So he's got to have some – some impact and just other guys have popped more as of late on the defensive line. We've had so much production recently and he just had himself a game. And I understand now why he's out there opposite Mozzie Smith. And um, I understand Michigan state targeting him in their run game and going that direction, but he not only held up to the test, but dominated and so did the rest of the defense and Michigan state one, they're not made to play from behind two they're not a one-dimensional team. They have to throw first. It's obviously not um, what their game plan was coming in. So defensively for Michigan, we did all the things right to play our game and make Michigan State uncomfortable. And when you have that much of a dominating defense, I feel like offensively, I'm sure we're going to hear the comments roll in of conservative. Oh, we didn't take shots down the field. And I agree with a lot of that stuff. But when the way your defense is playing in a rivalry game, I would lean on them the same way I think we did today and um, just another solid outing. I do have a couple more updates about the thing that everyone's talking about right now, the post-game uh, scuffle from Jim Harbaugh. Uh, where is the quote that I was looking for? Uh, uh, this is from Chris Ballas. He says, Harbaugh said two of his players were assaulted by MSC players in the tunnel. One has a nasal injury that might wind up being a broken nose. Harbaugh said that 10 uh, Michigan State players were on one player. Uh, as we saw in the video, we'll let Ward Manuel handle it. Uh, Ward Manuel comes out with a statement as well. Uh, I'm not sure if he's speaking to the media downstairs, but uh, he says what happened after the game is completely unacceptable. Uh, he spoke to Kevin Warren and the police uh, and quotes and said, quote, this is not how we should interact after the game. Completely and utterly unacceptable. This is not what a rivalry game should be about and how it should be remembered. So, uh, Again, there you go. Uh, police are investigating this. There's plenty of video out there, uh, and and for anyone, I, I don't. It's it's indisputable. Uh, you know, the video for those of you that might jump in and say it's it's biased or what. Ha show us the full video. These these videos are coming in from the MSU beat who are making their way to uh, the visiting media room, which is just up uh, the tunnel there. So, yeah, I hate that that has kind of taken over this game, but. You know, from an now that it's kind of of this this plot thread here is I won't say wrapped up, but now that we have at least some details, I mean, there there are repercussions that come from this, right? Like I'm not crazy. Like you just don't ignore that. No, there should be something. But at the end of the day, I honestly, we all knew, or I feel strongly that there was this anticipation of some antics for this game you're not going to have this game happen and just go down and michigan's going to beat michigan state and everybody's going to be somewhat you know uh, okay with it and to be honest during the game i've been waiting for that thing to pop that you know that scuffle that whatever and the fact that it waited till the end of the game you know i, I don't want it to overshadow what happened in this game we had some really good performances uh, some great players playing. I really hope that the players that participated in that extracurricular stuff uh, are punished in, you know, both by NCAA and if legal ramifications come, they do. But um, I don't want it to overshadow the performance and, and take away from what these guys did. Beating Michigan State, I don't care what year you're in and what the uh, spread may have been. Huge accomplishment for this team and what a way to close out October. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is this is the one again, you you stop you hesitate to say you just get through it, but we know the history of this rivalry. Uh, weird things can happen. And typically when it goes the other way, um, I've never seen assaults and broken noses before, but there's always shoving and extracurriculars and talk and press conference uh, quotes. Blake Corb comes into his, his postgame press conference and says, I thought Tuck was coming. We saw him. We saw him leaving again, low hanging fruit, but. You won the game, and I, I've said this. Uh, I say this when Michigan State wins. I'll say it when Michigan does. You win the game, you say whatever you want. You get to live in this one for the next, I think, 356 days or whatever. Uh, it's part of this rivalry. This is a heat. I mean, it is heated. It is physical. Um, you know, MSU, 
this was all that MSU had left this season. Uh, a pretty characteristic performance from them. Uh, the, the win at Wisconsin was the outlier. This has been a team that has played pretty lifeless football. And, you know, you can say Michigan let them hang around. Michigan just didn't capitalize on enough opportunities. Uh, I thought that Blake Corum, again, uh, 33 carries. He's just a total workhorse right now. 177 yards and a touchdown. No really big plays today. The longest run was 21 yards from J.J. McCarthy. Uh, Corum's longest run was uh, 17. Donovan Edwards, 10 rushes for 42 yards. Uh, Receiving-wise, Luke Schoonmaker, 5 for 70. Ronnie Bell, 4 for 53. I know a lot of people thought maybe this secondary would be ripe for just attacking them down the field. Uh, But, you know, it it was methodical. There was, I don't know. I don't know if I would categorize it as rust early on, but it just this whole game, it just felt flat for most of it. Uh, I think it speaks to the talent gap uh, and the execution gap between these two teams and really the coaching gap too. Um, you know, coaching a football game is more than smoking cigars and taking pictures with pit bulls at the 50 yard line. Like you got to put a game plan together. I thought in, in that first half when Michigan state had a chance to sort of make this uh, a competitive game, they left some points on the field. I don't think Tucker and, and the staff did, did themselves any any favors in that regard. Uh, you know, a couple Keon Coleman jump balls. Uh, Michigan State was in this game for a bit, and I think it's it's coaches let it down, and unfortunately, it's culture let it down uh, after the game when things got ugly. But what do you what did you make of, of this performance, just in general, wire to wire? I had a suspicion that this would be a game that was one score going into halftime. You know, you watch game day. A lot of the other guys thought so too, but uh, I saw Michigan coming out and establishing the run game, or at least trying to establish a run game and make sure we're multifaceted. And um, I thought that uh, we executed well enough in the first half to open it up in the third. And I was more disappointed about field goals in the third quarter than I was about any of the field goals in the first half. Um, I really wanted us to come out in the third quarter and open up the lead more significantly and in a more demonstrative fashion than what we did in the third quarter, fourth quarter. But, um, you know, overall, it was kind of just a smothering performance. It, It almost seemed like, okay, there was a little spark that Michigan State had which were those jump balls, uh, you know, that amazing catches made on the other end. But um, it was just, all right, well, we're going to extinguish that too. Now we're playing a safety over top of that. And there's nothing you can do. It felt like we were watching like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu match that just lasts for hours. But the entire time, the person who's going to win is on top and controlling and controlling and controlling. And that's kind of what I felt. Something that I thought, kind of a a thought that occurred to me during the game and something that I think might be potentially an issue for Michigan State moving forward is Mel Tucker seems to be very uh, committed to recruiting the transfer portal and getting these guys from the transfer portal that are going to make an impact on his team and for the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry rivalry, you need to have guys that are in state or at least in region that understand this rivalry and and, um, you know know what the history is and have that passion that's just that little x factor for this game michigan state the transfer portal is interesting regardless but michigan state i feel like is a program right now that if you're a stud at a place that gets very little you know spotlight you can come here be a great individual and maybe make the nfl i don't know how that's going to impact their team dynamic moving forward and then building up team you know reloading year after year I'm interested to see where Mel Tucker goes with this team because I think Michigan State has the capacity to be good. Um, they have enough going in their departments to 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 get a good football team together. But I think that you're starting to see the first impact of guys that aren't from this area and are more individualized uh, on that Michigan State team. So it, it takes the right right ingredients to have the right chemistry on a team, and I don't think that this team this year for Michigan state has a chemistry to be a solid team. Yeah. It's hard to put an emphasis on the rivalry when you flip your your roster like that in the transfer portal. I mean, Mel Tucker spent all week giving half of his roster uh, a history lesson of Michigan resisting them going to the big 10 and all this bull crap, you know, the stuff from over the years uh, didn't put much of a game plan in. It was 50, 50 balls and see what you can do to muck it up. That's that was the game plan. So Maybe next year, a little more emphasis put on that. Um, 
yeah, it's, you know, the transfer portal is, that's band-aids. Michigan needed a band-aid to a certain extent, you know, replacing Andrew Vistardis and adding something to their pass rush. Those should be, and, and Olu Oluwatimi and, and Yabi have been really good, you know, I, I won't say stopgap guys. They've been better than that. Um, but they've come in and filled a role. When you're, when you're, at some point, you have to have your own guys in here because, you know, for Michigan State, regardless of what happened after the game, like this one is going to hurt it for them and one that sticks with them for a year, except probably two-thirds of the roster won't be there next year. So that doesn't quite stick with you. Um, this is not this is crazy. Uh, we have a super chat for, I mean, I don't know what the conversion rate on this is. Uh, you have, a U of M fan from Taiwan just sent $330 here. Leonard, uh, Leonard says, uh, go blue. JJ showing glimpses of the long ball. Sad that Penn State lost to Ohio State. Must praise Jake Moody. How do we improve the red zone offense? Great show as always. Well, thank you so much for the generous, first of all, the generous, uh, the generosity you're giving us by giving us your time live, but also the monetary donation is, um, I mean, it's, it's, it blows us away. So thank you for that. Uh, let's, let's talk about the red zone offense. Uh, too many field goals tonight. Again, you have your, the Lou Groza award winning kicker and Jake Moody, but that's not a guy you want to lean on. You want to be able to lean on your run game and you want to be able to lean on, um, you know, we have another question in here that I'll go to it, but I want, I want Leonard's to be displayed on the video edition. Um, you know, Jeremy asked a question earlier. Do we, does Michigan have a fade throw, uh, in their playbook? A lot of times tonight, and it might be, you know, Michigan State secondary did play up a bit. Getting Xavier Henderson does that for them. But this is, we're eight football games in, and I'm just not seeing guys get open down the field. I agree. It's a concern. Uh, It's definitely a concern. Red zone offense, especially. Um, You know, one of the things that I saw today, and I just started scratching my head and wonder, is this good or is this bad, is, Jake Moody's so solid. I mean, we do all need to take just a quick moment to appreciate the consistency of our kicking game and what it has been and special teams overall, but just Jake Moody specifically, it's a lock. You get within the 30 yard line, you have three points, don't lose three points. And I feel like that's a mindset that we get into sometimes on the offensive side of the ball. Um, How many times have you seen the ball thrown over the goal line? I don't know that there's a statistic out there that we're tracking for that, but we don't do it. And part of me wonders if one, I mean, Ronnie Bell's got tremendous hands. We all know that Uh, Schoon's obviously shown he's uh, a guy that's consistent, but is it a probability thing? Is it just that, you know, Blake Quorum has a 75% chance of getting five yards or four yards or three yards on third and three or versus Schoon winning a 40% ball. I don't know. I don't know if we're that numbers driven, but. I know that these coaches are smart enough to have, you know, a, a, a depth of plays in the red zone. And for whatever reason, it would list it, pick it, but we just choose to be conservative, ultra, ultra conservative. And um, it could be frustrating if we were losing, but because we're winning, are we really, I can't, do we complain? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, it feels, I won't say petty, um, greedy is not the right way, but it does need to improve. I mean, when you kick five field goals and four of them are in the red zone, and thanks to everyone who did the conversion on that, that is about 10, 10 bucks American. Uh, we appreciate it regardless. Uh, my dog Harley gets to eat again this month, so it's been two weeks with no, no live show. Uh, I can start putting food in the dog's bowl again. We also did get a chat from, uh, I had it start here, uh, adults and crafts for $10. So no question, just a shout out. Appreciate that. Uh, a go blue uh, from adults and crafts. Let's go to, I want to keep doing questions uh, because it feels like the story of the, uh, well, the story of this game is what it is now uh, in terms of what happened after the game. But in terms of the game itself, it's another, it's another day where you feel like you had meat left on the bone and you'll take that, you know, you'll take a 22 point win over your rival any day of the week. Uh I think a lot of people would have been fine with a one point win. You obviously would have been playing down to the competition, but um, so let's go to, I mean, all of these are about the red zone. Is, is there any, what else can we say about this offense right now? I mean, I I think from JJ, from JJ McCarthy's perspective, guys, feel free to keep getting questions in. 
we will. Uh, the queue is wide open right now, so feel free to do that. Uh, J.J. McCarthy's performance, 15 for 25, 167 yards, one touchdown, no turnovers uh, this week. Seemed like at times he was playing a bit tight, but something I like that we've been seeing out of him is that, and, and I think the last time we were on here, Ryan, we talked about this, where he's seeing guys covered down the field and not doing the hero ball thing. He's getting on his horse and and getting, you know, picking up as many yards with his legs as he can. And he's doing a better job of getting down and getting out of bounds too. Uh, as I was preparing to leave for Ann Arbor today, uh, I watched the replay of the 2019 MSU game. Uh, Shea Patterson had a really good day in that one. And something that I noticed about Shea and, and you, you know, you're watching it through these, these, the prism of just appreciating that performance that day. He did a really underrated job of getting down after getting those extra yards. And I'm starting to see similar things with JJ McCarthy. Now, again, it's not pretty on paper, but you're seeing a guy who I think week in and week out is just getting more comfortable back there. Uh, production and numbers be damned. I think so. Uh, he lacks some touch on just a few throws today that, um, you know, typically we expect him to have, but I was going to say before you mentioned it, that I thought his decision-making, especially when it came to talking the ball and trying to get what he could get was where it should be and where we're hoping it will be in um, getting better about protecting his body and not putting himself at risk. This was the best uh, dual threat game I feel like I've seen J.J. McCarthy have so far this year and that's the whole thing that he brings right that's why he's you know he's the V8 drag racer and McNamara is the sedan it's he is the dynamic guy that he can move, make things happen extend passing plays or make the chains move with his feet and got a couple opportunities today that I thought he made the best with and um I'd love to see him be able to unleash the ball a little bit more vertical and challenge teams deep. But I got to be honest, I kept thinking that while I'm watching the game and you watch what Michigan State's doing, they're playing seven in the box and their safeties are too high and they're 13 yards deep and bailing. They're just, they, they were going to make us take the long way and they're going to let us kill them by a thousand cuts in the run game. So um, I don't know how much of an issue I take with what our play calling was, even though, again, I'm tired of, running on four cylinders. I want to see the whole offense, but it just wasn't, it wasn't the day. Yeah. Uh, we do have a uh, 19 uh, again. Thanks to everyone who is, has sent in the donation so far. We have one for 20 bucks from our man, Jeremy, who says I will take the win all day, but we just don't utilize our wide receivers. Watch college football every Saturday. No 50, 50 balls, not much stretching the field. Yes, we're winning, but I refuse to believe these guys can't do more. Um, I agree with that. My question is, is who's, who do you look at on this team right now and, and say that that's someone I can throw a 50, 50 ball to uh, Cornelius Johnson, just to call a spade a spade was a space cadet tonight. Not his best, far from his best performance. I'd, I'd go as far as saying maybe his worst game in a Michigan uniform. Um, Ronnie Bell's a possession receiver, a guy that, you know, you can dial up the quick game with him and, Scooney, you're going to do the tight end delay and, and, and the quick stuff was there for them throughout the night. But, you know, I'm, unless you start talking about dipping into Darius Clemens and, and Amorian Walker, who, you know, are these tall freshmen with good speed, uh, which isn't going to happen. I mean, you still have Roman Wilson. I mean, Roman Wilson's fast, but he's not, you know, he's not Nico Collins. He's not, you know, they don't have a guy who can just go up and get the football right now. So, I mean, if this offense had a Keon Coleman type of guy, then that's that's another weapon for you. And you have the ability and the license to do that with with a quarterback like J.J. But man, oh, man, like these guys, I, I don't want to take anything away from that position group. I think they make the most of their opportunities. I think they block their rear ends off, which is what gets you on the field at Michigan. But, you know, this was this is a deep wide receiver room. This is not, you know, this is far from. Jackson Smith and Jigaba, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Abuka. This is not that. Uh, Michigan plays differently, but that's the one gear I think they're missing right now is a guy who can go snatch a ball, you know, on a fade route or uh, down the field along the sideline. Uh, that's a, that is a concern to me. It's a concern. Uh, uh, one guy I still we've talked about uh, quite a bit in these podcasts is Andrell Anthony. I want to see him 
because I feel like we saw glimpses of something special there last year. And for whatever reason, he's not in the packages. He's not getting targets. But um, I still don't know that I would necessarily say jump ball specifically or exclusively for him. But he's another guy we know that has the ability to stretch the field. Um, You know, I keep saying the same thing over and over again with regards to, yeah, we don't have Jackson Smith and Jibwa or Marvin Harrison Jr. or Ibuka from Ohio State. But I don't know that you want to be Ohio State. I just – and there's other teams that we can probably throw in there, but just from the lens of the Big Ten, like Ohio State, you said do the transitive property today and figure out if they're better than us based off of the Penn State win that they had today. I don't know. Uh, They struggled. We never struggled. Were we struggling with Penn State? We went into the half, you know, really close, but – I so I referenced that because remember last week everyone's going God or was it last week when Ohio State plays Iowa everyone's going oh gosh look at what Ohio State State did to Iowa versus what Michigan did it's like football is not there are no one to one comparisons in this no you know that Um, it's annoying but yeah I I don't know Uh, there's another question here Uh, again thank you so much Jeremy for for the super chat and. Uh, we'll see if someone will match you. Actually, he just threw another one in here for five bucks. He says, Andrell should be playing over CJ. Fumble offside of the punt. When have we given him a chance? That's the one. I mean, typically I trust this coaching staff's evaluations, but, you know, he's outside. I mean, he had some big plays in the Hawaii game, which so did everybody. He made a couple big plays in the Indiana game, but he, like, there are some times where it's just like he's just kind of running you know, just kind of jogging through a football game. And tonight was, again, that's a senior in a rivalry game. I mean, you do that against Ohio State with with a fumble, offsides on a punt, you lose, period. So, as you know, this is the time of year where we start to see guys get more opportunity, guys emerge. DJ Turner was a breakout guy halfway through last year. I wonder if moving forward, because you're going to go to Rutgers next week, you get Nebraska and Illinois at home, which is going to be a really tough game now, potentially a resume-building game. I suspect after they watch the film of this one, and it should have happened long before this, but it is time to see more Andre Anthony. I mean, he's he's a zone buster. He always finds that he's a lot like Ronnie in that he just finds himself open when he's on the field. He's just not on the field a ton. Um, at some point, I, I know it's the blocking, but at some point you have to get playmakers out there. I agree. And I like to simplify things when you've got a comparison to make. And what is Cornelius Johnson bringing to the offense that we need? What what ingredient is he bringing that is necessary for our offense to function? And I don't know that there's an answer for that. And I think Andrell has the ability to be more impactful so much as like a Ronnie Bell is, even if he's just from a possession standpoint. And uh, I think he can make our offense more, more dynamic without seeing what's going on in practices and things like that. But um, I think that he's just a guy, if we're looking for more explosive plays out of our receiving core, I see him as a more explosive player and would want to see at least a split and the amount of targets, touches, snaps that he gets, and at least get the opportunity to to see if maybe he's should be in a more significant role. But who knows? There's got to be. I trust the coaches too. They're doing a lot of things right. There's got to be a reason we're not seeing them. Yeah, it's it, you know you you get on the field what you do Monday through Thursday, but you know. At some point, we'll, we'll see what happens. I just feel like there is a, there has been a bit of a missed opportunity. Maybe it's not a missed opportunity. I you you haven't played in a bit, and I sit up here in my ivory tower uh, that is the visiting coaches press box every single week. So uh, let's go to William Cawthorn. He says, "Are there top? Are the top three teams that much better than us? Uh, top three being, I believe, it's what Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee." I haven't watched a ton of, of teams other than Ohio state uh, Georgia to me, doesn't quite have that gear that they had last year. Again, very good, but they were historically good defensively last year, Ohio state. That team has an edge to it. And it seems like they have some playmakers on defense that are coming on. I would still probably give OSU the edge right now. I think Michigan can beat them. And Tennessee is, you know, Tennessee is starting to kind of have that, especially Hendon Hooker. He started to kind of have that 
Cam Newton, you know, one year magical run at Auburn type vibe to it. So I guess that's the, the a long way of me saying I have no idea. What's that much better? Uh, you know, uh, last year, I think you put Michigan against Georgia and you make us play that game 10 times. I don't know that Michigan wins one. And that's not to say that Michigan wasn't a great team last year, but that was the difference between the top two and number three, in my opinion. And uh, right now, I would say I still think that Michigan right now at this point in the season is better than where they were last year. I don't know if they'll finish better than where they were last year, but they're 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 more progressed. They're you know their defense, although they don't have the same star power. There's just a spread of guys that are just doing tremendous things, game in game out. So I think there's a, a case to be made that eight games in, this is a better team than last year at eight games in. Uh, I do think that there's still a gap. You know, as much as I don't want to say it, I think there's a gap between Georgia probably in Michigan. I think there's there's a gap between Alabama, even though they're not playing so well in Michigan. I don't see the gap, and it's probably all biased because I hate them, but I don't see the gap at Ohio State. Uh, I think that Ohio State is a team that can vomit points sporadically whenever they need to, which is an awesome thing for them. It's, it's a rarity, but uh, I feel like we keep getting compared to them. We are consistent. You know, we're uh, wear you down, physical. I feel like we're a brand of football that you can't uh, shut down. And Ohio State, I just have this feeling that they could get into a four-quarter slump and have a terrible game. I really do think that that could happen. And uh, I don't see that with Georgia. I don't see that with Tennessee. Tennessee, I also think, is a team that shows you how beneficial the coaching changes, transfer portal, uh, NIL, just all of a sudden we're competitive. You know, I think that's something that can happen with teams that are in the top 10, top 15. And I think Michigan's trending that way. Uh, we've been climbing, climbing nationally over the last year or two. And uh, who knows where we end up this year. But um, there's a gap. I don't know how significant the gap is. And that's a very long answer to that small question. Yeah. Uh, well, we're getting a lot of Ohio State questions because that's the, that's the war path now. Uh, so we'll see what happens from there. Uh, apologies to Flame and Mad Flamingo. I don't know how this one slipped through. Uh, we got to a ton of, of super chats in succession there for a bit, but he did send one in for $10 and asked what's the latest on Cade McNamara. Will he transfer? Is he not playing because he wants to redshirt? I know the $10 questions usually comes with a, a bit of a longer answer. Uh, there's nothing I could say on the matter that I, I won't say allowed to say report or, or that I'm not allowed to say, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Basically there should be info coming on that soon. Um, I don't think he's sitting out in order to preserve a transfer, but there is, uh, I think that medically things have not progressed the way that they have expected it to. And that's, I guess that's where I'm just going to kind of leave it. I, I don't know anything about it, really. They've been so tight lipped about everything when regards to injuries. But uh, I do know that if Kate were to transfer, he can't, can't ding the kid. I mean, he'll, he could play at 150. 15 of the you know 126 universities and be a starter and probably be very serviceable, maybe even the best, you know, set some records in a single season. He's a great quarterback. And, um, you know, we had that snafu, we'll call it earlier, of him being booed at our stadium. And I just want to put one more little uh, tidbit out there. Like, we owe him a great deal of gratitude and appreciation for what he's done, um, how he's been as a leader, the team that we currently see, although he's not impacting them on the field, he's a big part of the team that you see. Yeah. We have a ton of questions in the queue, so we're going to kind of rapid fire here for a bit. Uh, this one's from Dane, who said more Braden McGregor than usual. Seems like he had a full series at defensive end, which I hadn't seen him on the field that much. Uh, there are times where those guys will get a series, uh, especially when Teams like MSU, Indiana went tempo, and you saw a lot of Ayabi Oki and Derek Moore, which I don't think we saw a ton of Derek Moore this week. I'll have to go back and look. But, uh, yeah, one of his – I thought one of his better – again, defensively, you you look at the stats and what – you know, at least from the personal performances, Junior Colson had 10 tackles. But other than that, it was just kind of a workman-like day at the office. Uh, should have had more turnovers. Uh, you dropped a pick, a pick six. Mike Barrett dropped a pick six that – 
very, what was it? Next player two is when they had the bomb to Keon Coleman. So can't do stuff like that. That's those things that kill you in rivalry games. Uh, when the team you're playing actually is talented and well coached. So yeah, uh, some missed opportunities, but what'd you make of what he's, what you saw from the pass rush tonight? Uh, he had Braden McGregor. I said was, I thought he played really well tonight. Had a couple more opportunities. Again, it's just such a, uh, a slighted statistic. I feel like because of the time and possession that we're getting on offense, the defensive snaps are how many defensive snaps did we even play? I mean, 60, 50, and how many of them were even significant? You know, it's 53, it's, by the way, 53 uh, Michigan, one time of possession, 40, 33 to 19. Michigan State I, had the ball for 19 and a half minutes in this game. I played 53 snaps in a half at IU. <laughs> and we were both playing no huddle. I remember it because I was gassed, but like the, the, and I honestly, I feel bad for these guys, 53 snaps. There's not the opportunities for sacks and stuff like that. I mean, it's awesome. Cause you're playing so well, but. And you're fresh, uh, but yeah, God. you're not getting any opportunity. You had, if there's 53 snaps, that means there was what nine third downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, half of those are passes. There's four opportunities for sacks. Good luck. You know, it's just, it's tough because you want to evaluate based on these numbers and data, but there isn't that data because the offense is on the field forever because of the conservative offense that we kind of are like, eh, we don't really like it, you know? So uh, it's, it's such a privileged position, I guess, to be in. And I, I empathize because I'm frustrated too, but our defense doesn't have the stats because our offense is so grinded out and just, you know, bully you that they're on the field forever and they just slowly gain five yards of play and kick a field goal. It's yeah. not exciting, but it's effective. Uh, Hexy Ace just sent in a 499 super chat says, Ryan, how does a 30, 40 degree night game affect a player physically, <laughs> mentally, or tactically? Not much. Uh, not, not, not much nowadays, at least. I feel like there's just so much let you have on the sidelines at your disposal. You have your heated pads. You've got your butane lighters. You've got your whatever, whatever to, you got the heated benches. Like what I would say is if you ended up in some reason that you're out there for an extended drive, you're on play eight, play nine, and it's cold, cold. Like I remember being at Ohio state and that cold that your nose hairs are frozen and you can feel them and you know that they're frozen. Like, in that situation, you start losing feeling in your toes, your feet, your hands, and like you need that for your balance, for your athletic movement. And so that becomes a thing. But in 30, 40 degree weather today was beautiful. I think these guys, this is ideal unless you're from, you know, deep south or southwest. This is what you sign up to play in. You know, you have a couple heated ones in September, but this is this is the weather that you're hoping for. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, God, for Ohio State's sake, I hope on November 26th it doesn't snow. I mean, oh, I wanted to. CJ Stroud's you, a Cali boy; he does not want it. You just, you just want a level playing field. You, you don't want, you don't want, I want ten degrees and thirty mile an hour winds whipping. Of course, um, this one's uh, quick from Matt McLean. He says, "Do you guys think that DJ Turner was not playing well, or was it a bad matchup physically?" I actually thought DJ played. He was maybe, a monster. Maybe his best game of the season. Uh, Jamon Green got beat, I think, on both of the Keon Coleman deep balls. Um, DJ Turner's number five, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that there might be some wires crossed there. Um, Jamon Green, I think, struggled a bit. Uh, Will Johnson, how about Will Johnson coming in and and played the pass really well? Um, Yeah, I mean, there was a, you know, there was a concerted effort coming out of the locker room in the second half to. Again, the deep ball was is literally all they have. This has been a Michigan State team all year that doesn't sustain drives. They don't run the football. Their offensive line stinks. They were going to have to – they were going to make this a competitive game on a wing and a prayer, and they did for a bit. Uh, Michigan d- did what it had. This, this game, again, I'm not going to pat myself on the back because I know Michigan fans wanted it to be more of a blowout than it was, but this thing kind of went the way that I thought it would. Uh, Michigan State takes an early lead. It's a tight game at the half, and then water finds its level, and Michigan hammers away and gets a win late in the game. So, again, I know it was rusty, uh, and I do attribute a lot of things I saw, at least offensively, to kind of rust today. Um, JJ JJ played well, but he was there was a few where he was tight and missed a few, and, and he was doing the Kirk Cousins thing where 
he's standing in the pocket and he, you know, he pats the ball and is waiting for a guy to get open. And, um, you know, they gotta, they gotta address that. Um, you know, speaking of the offense, I want to go to one from nerd bill. He says, Corum took some vicious hits tonight. Does Michigan need to protect him a bit by reducing his carries from 30 a game? I'll let you start with this one. I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't say that the game plan should always be to get Corum his 30 touches, but uh, I think Corum is, we know he's special, but is special in the way that he slides and slips and spins off of tackles to get those extra three, those extra four, potentially more. Um, I, I don't see him as any taking anything unnecessary. What I will say is I feel like there's this emphasis on targeting in passing plays. And I think there's times where Corum's coming off of a spin move and a safety's coming in, a linebacker's coming in with the head down to clean it up. And he's taking some hits that I don't necessarily know, at least in this game specifically, that are legal with the way the targeting rules go nowadays. But um, I, I'm not concerned with his health. Uh, I think that um, as far as utilizing your best players in big games, Corum was supposed to get 30 touches in this game. You know, these just like if Kenneth Walker would have been in this game, he would have got 30 touches. It's uh, – he was our best player. He was getting the job done consistently. And uh, Olu and Trevor Keegan, I feel like anytime you need five yards, just aim between their two hips because they're going to find you five yards. A uh, quick one from Tommy B, uh, $2 super chat. Thank you, Tommy. Michigan's red zone is run, run, incomplete, pass, kick. That's what it was tonight. Uh, they're starting – they're starting – they're lighting too many first downs on fire. That's just – I mean, that is – that's that's what's going on. So – They'll see that on film. Uh, they'll need to come back and correct that. Uh, another one from Matt Bunt, who says, have you guys hit on Schoonmaker's night? He's really picking it up the last few. Yeah, this is, he's been, I mean, I, I with Eric all out for the season, which he is out for the year. He had back surgery last, uh, uh, last weekend, I believe it was. We'll, we'll say it. I think probably expecting him back next season, I would have to think. But Luke Schoonmaker has come in and been, not only a stabilizing presence, at least from a production standpoint, he's he's the tight ends have been more involved this year. Uh, yeah, and he's a guy that's so consistent, and he's someone that I feel like has been waiting for an opportunity. You love this story. He makes waiting for an opportunity, sitting behind someone who's just extremely talented, does it all in Eric Hall, and he gets a chance, and he's going to be. Uh, you know, a significant part of this offense. He's a guy that I thought we could use more in the red zone. You know, we talked about this more last year with Eric all, but targets that this he's got to create matchup problems with some of your, your, your linebackers. They can't keep keep them in front of them in the middle of the field. That's a matchup we obviously liked, but we didn't go to him once. I can't think of in the red zone this week. And I just, you know, scratch my head as to why, why not on first and 10, because it's so telegraphed, and I agree with that previous comment that first and ten in red zone, ninety-four percent run, maybe more. And I just feel like he's a guy that could have been, could have converted one of those five field goals into a touchdown if we gave him an opportunity. But um, again, let's just be thankful we got a guy named Jake Moody that is just so money. Yeah. Another $2 here from Hexy Ace who says Corum needs a big game versus Illinois or OSU for New York. Uh, I will, I will say this. I mean, I think there, I, I can't remember. I mean, this day is already a blur. Uh, I think that you will see, I mean, they're going to run him as uh, Jim Harbaugh has said this year. He's a guy that he thinks he could play the noon game, take an ice bath, get right back on the field and play at three 30, take another bath and play the game at seven o'clock at night. Um, I don't know that workloads a, a concern from their perspective with him, but I do think there will be opportunities to kind of pair it back uh, over the next couple of weeks. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, we do have a $10 super chat here from Nick who uh, Nick says, did you guys see Michigan state's players punching a Michigan player after the game in the tunnel? We did. Uh, that was the first Nick go back and listen. We did the first 10 minutes on it, but I do want to Nick, I'm going to leave your question up. I'm going to, uh, he goes on to say, this is getting ridiculous Four foreign teams are getting a pass for assault and I'm tired of it. Yeah. This wasn't, uh, this one was actually assault. 
a couple weeks ago was Uncrustables, which uh, strawberry or grape doesn't matter. A frozen Uncrustable, you throw that at someone. It hurts. Uh, it does, but not as much as a broken nose does. Um, Nick, I'm going to leave yours on the screen, but I'm going to I'm going to also pair it with a question that we had in here from uh, Cody Voiles. So, Cody, if you're still listening, um, you get to piggyback off Nick's ten dollars here. Uh, Ryan, does an incident like what happened after the game? Is that something that cements a brotherhood and, and bring a team together or will it have any effect at all? I mean, I assume, you know. Michigan State is apparently trying to get a head start on next year's bulletin board material, but I have a feeling this one will stick with Michigan too. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is just, you know, more to the narrative of it's a street fight, a brawl, you know, it's not a football game. And at the end of the day, it is a football game. You have to go out with a game plan and execute and play four quarters of football and not make mistakes and be able to run the football and, we did all those things right. So, you know, it's frustrating, I'm sure, if you're from Michigan State. But like we talked about, that these Michigan State players, who knows? They may not be in the in the mix next year. So it's don't get drug in the mud. Don't get drug in the mud. This has nothing to do with the Michigan-Michigan State football rivalry. These are, you know, idiots being idiots after they're emotionally, you know, frustrated and there's hopefully repercussions because they're there all grown be. men. They're 18 plus. They should there will be. Yeah. They, they should be able to, uh, to account atone for whatever's going on here in the video. Yeah. And for people just to, just to kind of step back and take like the bird's eye view of it. I don't think you're going to get Harbaugh taking swipes at Mel Tucker over this. I don't think you're going to get Michigan takes like this is, this is a police criminal investigation now. And, I'm sure there will be some legal stuff that you can and can't. I mean, they were, they were telling players not to talk about it or address it after the game. So videos out there, it's clear as day. I don't, I don't think this investigation will take super long, but um, I am more fascinated in, in hearing MSU side of it because Mel Tucker ha- had his head in the sand after the game. And I don't think we heard from MSU's athletic director or its players, but ugly, ugly stuff. Um, uh, I don't want to end on that note. Uh, Ron, Nick, thank you so much for the question and the sh- and the super chat. But I do want to get to let's see if we can get a couple here to end on a high note. Um, so this is what happens when we do it live. I sit here and, and stare and see what uh, we're going to take one more here. Uh, this is your last chance. If you have any questions to get in the chat, I have time for one or two more. This one's from Dane who says, do we know anything long-term about Nakai Hill-Green? Good to see Mike Barrett step up big, but feel like it's our only position on defense where we have a short rotation. Uh, I No update on Nakai Hill-Green. I mean, the fact that he's still not out there eight, nine weeks into the year, I don't know that he's you know going to be Willis Reed and coming through that door for the Ohio State game or anything like that. I, I kind of think, uh, to quote to quote uh, Hoosiers, I think your team's on the on the field right now in terms of what you have at linebacker. So, yeah, uh, good to see Mike Barrett. Gotta gotta catch that pick six. I mean, he's a former safety. He's played quarterback. He's played on special teams. Gotta gotta make that play uh, when it presents itself. But I, I, linebackers were, were very good tonight. Generated a turnover. We've talked about that being one of the fall short points of the defense uh, as of this point, but we finally generate a turnover opportunities for more turnovers, obviously, but I still think it's just the weirdest anomaly. Uh, Michigan creating fumbles. I don't know what the deal is, but we cannot jar a ball loose. Um, I'm amazed. I, there's, I think that some data head somewhere needs to stay up late and crunch some numbers and figure out how good of a defense we have in spite of the fact that we can't create fumbles, but um, we did come away with a turnover that excites me moving forward because I feel like not to do not want to get into the look ahead game, but the one at the end of November, if we get a couple extra possessions in Columbus, it'll really tilt the odds in our favor. Uh, Tommy B says he sent a super chat for saying that Illinois was a trap game. Uh, Did you miss me earlier in Illinois? Yeah, I, I guess I did. I'm having trouble seeing those on my end tonight, but um, yeah, I guess thoughts on, I mean, Illinois is not only, there it is. Thank you, Hutch. Uh, 
Shout out to Hutch, the great and powerful Oz behind the scenes, pushing the buttons for us. Uh, Illinois is two weeks from now, but we can we can talk about it a bit. You know, not only is that I won't call it a trap game. Uh, it's a it's going to be a, a top 25 game. It looks at like at this point. So it's it's a resume builder. It could be potentially a, a game that you play two times in a three week span. They just, you know, Brett Bielema has that team. And this is by and large why by, why Paul Christ got fired is that when Illinois played Wisconsin, it out Wisconsin Wisconsin. That's kind of building there right now. So I guess thoughts on what you've seen out of them. Nothing they do is super flashy, but God, did they just get the job done? No, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to do bulletin board material, but they, they to me, they look like the JV Michigan team. Uh, you know, what Michigan's been doing the last two years is relying on the run game, just like Wisconsin traditionally has been, but they're just not there this year. But uh, relying on a consistent run game and a very sound and solid defense that doesn't give up points. They may give up yards, but they don't give up points. And they're there in all these games. And they're also, you know, pulling ahead of teams when you don't have both facets of your offense going. And uh, I, I, I feel comfort, not too much comfort, but I feel comfort in the fact that Michigan's defense plays against Michigan offense in practice all the time. And if Illinois was a different spread, some type of, you know, something that we're, we're not seeing day in, day out, and they were having the success that they're having this year, I'd be more concerned than where I'm at now, considering, or at least thinking that they're a team that's similar to what Michigan is. And it will not be a shock to the system to try and go out and stop Illinois. The other thing I'll say is, it's a home game and it's senior night and you can never dismiss the impact of the seniors and the leaders of your team, knowing it's the last game in the big house that you're ever going to play. Um, I, there, there's no words for it. It's, it's a very significant moment in your career that you only get once. So there's a couple things that are keeping me from, getting too nervous about what's going to happen in the Illinois game, but it will be a good game and a good test. And, um, you know, it's before the biggest one of the year. Yeah. And sometimes we often say that when uh, a lot of times the toughest opponent you'll play on a Saturday is when you look in the mirror. And if you're telling me that Illinois is, looks like, you know, the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other, you know, the same, same type of team. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I like that that will test them kind of physically before, Ohio State as well. Uh, Hexy has one one more thing for two bucks. He says the suck eyes look beatable. I mean, everyone's beatable this time of year. Even Michigan uh, on a night like this, where it didn't play its best football, play its best football, but team on the other sideline uh, didn't come ready for that. They came ready for a fight after the game when they had sixty minutes to settle it on the field. But that's how it goes. Um, sometimes it just goes, you know. Those, when things don't go their way, I mean, that was bad, but what, what else is there to say about it? Uh, it's after midnight. We're, we're approaching 1245 local time here in Ann Arbor, high above the big house. I don't know that I have any other final thoughts on this game other than, you know, for that, if that winds up being Michigan's worst, you know, if that's Michigan's C-plus game or whatever you want to call it, Got to feel pretty good about where this thing is heading moving forward. They set four goals ahead of this year, beat Michigan State, beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, win a national title. You won your first trophy game this year. One of those goals is done and complete. All of your goals are still ahead of you. Uh, that's the biggest takeaway. So uh, for the most part, it seems like health-wise, everyone's good coming out of this one outside of the guy who had his nose broken uh, in the locker or in the tunnel after the game. We'll see who that wound up uh, wound up being, but yeah, I'm, I am exhausted after two weeks of discourse about this rivalry. Uh, this week will always take a lot out of you as I'm sure it did. Uh, even, you know, being a player preparing for it, you, you have the history of having played in this rivalry. <sighs> we'll see you in East Lansing next year, I guess, but uh no, it'll be a brand new Michigan State team that turns over its roster completely and that will, you know, find a way to talk and, and post pictures of its coach smoking a cigar and, 
having Lamborghinis on the field uh, when everyone else is just going to work and, and trying to build a football team. So Ryan, any other final thoughts about this game? It meant something for Michigan as a program and for Harbaugh to have an assertive win in a year where you were supposed to have an assertive win. Yep. And I say box checked. And that, yep. to me, that's all that matters. Box checked. Eight. No Michigan state's beaten. Uh, Paul Bunyan has his little, his little tiny uh, baby maze pants are back. So I was wondering if they'd go maze pants or blues pants or blue pants, given what we've seen from the football team over the last two years. But Paul's back home. Uh, that spot was collecting dust for a few years. No more. Uh, Paul is back in, in the football building in Ann Arbor. Uh, Want to shout out quick. I, things were so crazy at the start of the show. Uh, shout out our sponsor, Lewis Jewelers, uh, the proud partner of Michigan Athletics. We're in Arbor Gets Engaged. We love uh, our friends, Keith, and the whole staff over there. Thank you so much for your continued support of our site and, and of the Wolverine. Uh, you guys that want, to, uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff, snap counts, takeaways, and all kinds of stuff that comes out of this game. Uh, so you can get $10 until next season at the Wolverine gets you uh, all the goodies that we'll have coming out of this in the stretch run basketball season coming up, all of those things. Uh, don't forget to leave a like on the video below. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, we will continue to do these shows and, and, and podcasts as we have throughout the year. Uh, on you know, you can listen to audio editions, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your show, your shows. Some for some reason, I'm going into like an accent now. I don't know why. It's probably just best to get out of here. Ryan Van Bergen, thank you so much. Uh, another night game next week. We'll be coming at you from. Uh, I'll be coming from at you from Piscataway. Ryan, of course, from uh, the friendly confines of the Van Bergen compound. But thank you so much. Uh, Michigan wins 29-7. Paul Bunyan's back home. Michigan's eight. No. Life is good. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you again soon.